Hello and welcome to our newest episode of Voicing Vulnerability. I'm here with Gigi, who is a final year student in postgrad international development and who set up uh, the co- cancer, coffee, ca- cancer Coffee Mornings for Copperfield. Um, and I have been in contact with Gigi recently because we were working together on this wellbeing conference that took place in March, uh, Bristol's first wellbeing conference. And she was uh, one of the lead participants in the grief and illness panel. And I think we have a good conversation to open up here about yeah. grief and illness and being a student. So welcome, Gigi. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing this over Skype for obvious reasons (laughs) (laughs) during the pandemic. Um, Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, the pandemic, because it actually has made this topic of grief and illness all the more pertinent and like relevant to our lives. Yeah, because it's. I think it's just something that everyone's very worried about at the moment. Lots of people have family members who might not be that well, and lots of people have grandparents who they're yeah. concerned about. And we keep getting all of these horrible notifications every day about how yeah. many deaths there's been. It just makes it all more real. Yeah, um, and I think it's um, it's weird because you see these numbers and statistics, and our media is so saturated with um, yeah. images of like death, but we're still very bad at actually having perhaps those tricky conversations with family members and loved ones and I think yeah I wanted to know your experiences of like talking about death yeah I mean so last year my mum passed away uh, Mm -hmm. from metastatic breast cancer um, which is basically the reason why I got involved with Copperfield this year Mm -hmm. it was a really really hard time of my life um, and had a lot of support from friends um and not that much support from some people in my life. Yeah. I mean, I guess grief um, is something that people shy away from and can't necessarily face up to it unless it happens to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. It's it's it, um it's one of those where it requires so much work. Not only well for the of course for you and for the grieving people. Well, we're all going to grieve at some point. Grieving at some point in our lives, but also for peers as well and friends and how they get over this weird awkwardness and knowing yeah. how to show up emotionally for your friends. Yeah, and everyone's very different. Like, I'm speaking from my perspective. And yeah. a 22-year-old girl who lost her mum, and I'm very open about speaking about things anyway. I like to talk. Um, but some people just don't. So I think one of the best things to go by is if someone is struggling and you're the um or is about to die who or who is very ill it's just to ask them what they'd like and assuming one way or the other like you don't want to press them if they really don't want to talk about it but then if you don't ask them what they don't what they want then you don't know um whether they do want to talk about it and some mm-hmm. people get very alarmed about if they say something like oh like how are you feeling today or mention my mum's name and then um, my reaction could be i could really dark joke i could laugh i could cry and then they're like oh no i didn't mean to upset you and i'm like no it's fine to give me the outlet or the platform to feel so you don't then all these emotions are bottled up inside of you they don't have a platform to speak and then they stay inside of you come out in very weird ways inappropriate ways and the way, you know yeah. you might be walking along the street or something and then suddenly you just like burst into tears or you might get very angry at someone unnecessarily and it's because there's no platform for someone to speak about how you're feeling yeah it's um i think it's 
because I'm actually coming from a place where I've been the peer or the friend for yeah. someone who has been grieving and looking back in hindsight I see that as a massive failure on my behalf of not really I, I wouldn't say failure I think it's just yeah. something you just have no idea how to sort like comprehend so yeah. people don't know how to so then they often don't and that's not a failure it's just how society is constructed yeah what we should and what we shouldn't do and it's all very hush hush and you know speaking on this panel alongside some of the people who were on the panel and Javi yeah. Carell who was one of the um uh, panel speakers and she's of death philosopher and she spoke she speaks about how like we society sees death as like not death society sees life as like um eternity like we're going to be alive forever there's no end yeah that's for but we sure. need to like face the fact that there's going to be ending because then when you then you become a bit more death and grief and illness just become a bit more normalized in day-to-day conversation and it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom but it's just normalizing the fact that when something bad happens this you know it's going to happen to everybody we all need to face it and then be there to support people how we can do when that time comes around Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. Um, I think with um this whole notion of kind of like to think we're invincible or you know oh it won't happen to us not yet or at least you know I've got it's for something for future me to worry about I think that undermines the fact that a lot of people are experiencing now and also I think it doesn't prepare us I think the, the what I'm finding is that students staff we just as a society yeah like you're saying are just so wholly unprepared for these like devastating experiences of grief yeah of Um, course I think I don't believe that death's harder when you're younger I would never say that I just think we're ill-prepared as students because you're at university and it's a really exciting time it's like fun it's really hard time of your life it's really weird you know um you move somewhere you're still trying to find your feet still develop you're having fun trying to get a degree you get you get out of relationships you fall out of friends friendships and then you fall back into ships and all this kind of stuff and then when something like death or illness gets thrown into the mix it's something that shouldn't be happening and then you're like how do I deal with it and it's just enhanced by the difficulty of your life at this present moment and you're trying to deal with something that other people aren't and then it just gets worse and it's it's not that it's harder but it's just you're more ill-prepared and but it's also a very difficult time in our life because we're all just still Mm. changing to find our own feet and how did you find this whole kind of the world carrying on because you hear it I you hear it quite a lot when people talk about grief there's a certain there's I mean everyone's grief is different obviously but some yeah. people feel very frustrated by the how quick like you know going back to business as usual just seems so absurd yeah it's so weird it's, it's a very weird thing to say but you know so you live your life everyone's kind of cruising through and then something bad happens and everyone throws themselves at your feet Mm-hmm. And you have like 100% attention. And then some. Then my mum died and I had so much attention afterwards. And it just calmed down and everyone kind of drifts away. And then you you kind of go from 0% to 100% and then to 0%. And it's not that I'm craving attention. It's just like the adjustment of all of that. And then everyone kind of just gets on with their lives. It is very strange because then you start, I think resentment is a feeling that does crop up quite a lot. Less so now, but definitely at the time after my mum died because... I was in my third year, I'm now doing a master's, but my third and final year, everyone's final year at university, and it was so exciting, and everyone was doing really well at, you know, in uni, and going to parties, and having fun, and the weather got better, and I was, like, clawing through my third year, literally 
scraped, I scraped two on, still got one that's great, but I scraped it. And I was so worried about not being able to make it. Um, and it's that feeling of like, I had some amazing support and it's not that I didn't have some amazing support, but it's like all of your friends are in kind of like a group just ahead of you and you're trying to reach them, but you physically can't because they'll go out and have fun um, at a party or they'll go and have a laugh and you'll be sitting there trying to talk up with them and try on their level, but you physically can't. And then you get very like frustrated and angry, the fact that you can't be on their level. And it's nothing that they're doing. It's the fact that something bad has happened to you and you're just thinking about things in different ways. And you kind of grow up very, very quickly. And you face a reality that most people don't face, you know, until mm-hmm. their parents die when they're older or anyone dies when they're older, which is the, you know, it's not necessarily always going to be the case, but it's how society thinks life's going to like take its turn. So it's really hard feeling that like detachment and you then become increasingly more lonely and you're, you try, you're trying to get there, but you just can't. Yeah, isolation, I think, is just something that it afflicts students anyway. But when you're on a, in a, going through such a tumultuous process of grief and trying to come yeah. to terms with loss, I think it's like, I can't, I can, I can only say like, I can not even imagine, but I'm going to have to prepare to imagine what that's like. But for students, I think it's, yeah, you're right. It, being a student is a weird predicament for someone going that's through grief. Yeah. And I think like everyone's always like university's best time of your life. And I've had some amazing times at university. I've had some really, really bad times at university. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the pressure of having the best time also falls on everyone's shoulders anyway. So if you're not really um, dealing with anything major in your life, but you, you're not having the best time in, of your life. And then that can make you feel more isolated because I'm not talking about necessarily grief or illness, but you know, you arrive at university and everyone's having the best time and you go home and see your friends at Christmas and then go back to university, but you're not having the best time and you're like, why am I not? And there's a lot of pressure anyway. And then when something like grief or illness or something catastrophic in your life gets thrown in like this and then it makes it all so much worse. And then you're like, I can't have so much fun at university because this is why. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of feel a bit betrayed by this whole narrative of like the perfect university life. And I think in a lot of ways, like I've been talking about this a lot with students, it's just how detrimental perfectionism and like wanting the best for ourselves, like as a culture, is so damaging because when the inevitable happens, you know, disease, dying and whatever, it then just becomes you know it tears your world apart because you can't meet the expectations that have been placed on you by society and yourself for sure and then it just you know then your mental health can decline very rapidly um it's also just very worrying for those people so I'm I was in my third year I've got some brilliant brilliant friends I've had a bit years of making friends I've lived in the night I was I'm quite strong-willed and I was going to push myself through this horrible time there are people out there who join university in their first year don't necessarily have the best time because uni's a bit weird anyway might not have a good um, flat don't really enjoy their course that's fine and then second year something like this happens and then you don't have that to fall back on you don't have those friends to fall back on and then you become much more isolated and that's what worries me about students out there who are trying so so hard and they're doing such a good job but they're so alone because they haven't necessarily had as much grounding as I did because I've I'm older and I've been at university for a bit longer so I felt like I was quite lucky but there are some students who are start start off on a bit of a wobbly can't really regain their balance and that's quite scary because then like how are they going to get through by themselves and like what are the university doing for them Mm -hmm. and this could bring 
brings me on another one of your questions because you set up this cancer coffee mornings, you know, start new conversations. And I'd like you to like tell me about how that process evolved and whether you met any resistance or kind of challenges to even set this up or get this going. Um, conversations that might help students rather than hinder them. Yeah, I mean, so um, it's Cancer Coffee Mornings is basically a support group for students who've been affected by cancer. So that can either be like bereavement or going through a really hard time, parent, sibling, you know, grandparent, unwell. Um, and it's just basically a safe space for other students. Because I think one of the reasons, reason why I set up last year, um, I was able to have private counselling. Um, I'm in a very lucky position where my dad was able to pay for me to have weekly counselling because I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing and I didn't know how to figure out how to get through the last part of my final year at university and still do well. And I thought counselling was brilliant, but there's no student support. So then as a result, at the beginning of this year, I decided to set up the council coffee morning and it happened every every two Tuesdays, so fortnightly on Tuesday, uh, 10 to 12 um, in the morning in the SU living room and it's just like coffee and cake just chilling and chatting with people like like-minded people like you mm -hmm, yeah. the idea is to meet people make you feel less lonely because i think the whole point as we've discussed is feeling isolated and like you're alone but if you're able to meet students who are going through something similar you don't even have to talk about um anything particularly you don't have to sit there and cry with each other but you can of course you can you can do what you want but it's not necessarily to meet and then you know share and then be upset it's to meet students who you can relate to on a, a very different level to all of your friends so for example you could be falling behind with work because something you know your my mum's died but I'm falling behind with work um I haven't been going to lectures or seminars but I meet someone who's very in a like very similar position to me and they lost their dad or their brother and I was able to like message them saying what are you up to today and they said oh I've got a seminar at 12 and I said oh I've got a seminar at 12 and then they say like oh let's go and have lunch after the 12 p.m seminar um, and then it makes you get out of bed and sort of like have something to look forward to because you know that there's someone on the other side who you can hang out with and just meet other people like you. Um, but yeah, and then as setting it up, um, we ask for support from the university themselves because the SU have been very supportive. Um, they awarded us like the SU group of the month at the beginning of the year, the first one that they did, which is brilliant. That's great. PR. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And then they also put us in a video for the SU living room to advertise its first birthday. And we also recently won an award at the Volunteering Awards in March for the campaign of the year for the SU. Oh, that's fantastic yeah. news. So, which is all brilliant. Um, but the SU only has so much reach and they're great. I think they're great. And we've been, they've been so supportive. So I decided to get try to get in contact with the university and I was met with resistance from both wellbeing and counselling because they merged their web websites and I asked if we could be listed on there and they both said no. Um, after saying yes, so I was a bit confused. So I didn't push it. And then at the beginning of second term, I decided to reach out again. So my emails were ignored for about 10 days. So I emailed them again and I got through to counselling, but wellbeing basically said they don't help initiatives like this. And I was quite surprised to hear that because I was like, why don't you? Um, yeah. <clears throat> Did you ever get the reasoning behind that? No, I didn't. I just think they just don't. If you look on the website, the wellbeing and the counselling website, they don't have um, student support groups or like a link towards encouraging students to create support groups, which I'm just yeah, baffled. Yeah, I don't understand. Strange. But the counselling website did actually end up putting us on the um, 
um, their website. So we're actually listed as a resource, but we're in the wrong place. We're in it's support in Bristol. And then underneath it's like bereavement and life threatening illnesses. And you click on that and we're there and it's brilliant. We're there, but we are a university thing. So we should be in like support in the university. Um, and I've like had a long think about this and um, spoken to some friends who've set up similar things. So one of my friends, Minnie Graydon, she set up a um, she set up a, a grief network. And um, Patrick Sullivan and Isaac Hay. Isaac Hay spoke on your previous oh, podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. So we had a great chat. <laughs> Men's mental health. <laughs> yeah, the Men's Mental Health Talk Club. Um, and um, but we're the only ones that exist as support groups, student-led support groups. But there's no like a uh, platform for other students to make things like this. So we ended up having a meeting because after not being able to get through the counselling and um, well-being um, departments, we went. I contacted Sarah Purdy. Mm -hmm. had a meeting with her and also went to George Bemrose who's the SU living officer had a really productive conversation with Sarah Purdy and she's a lovely woman and has got like a very good uh, vision of where to go with student well-being um and uh the George Bemrose ended up organizing a meeting with me Isaac Minnie and Patrick um with someone who's a representative of the SU to um um uh Who's, represent, who's a representative of the SU who's organising the wellbeing plan for the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, we had a really good conversation because she was asking what we wanted and we were saying what we needed. So we were basically saying there needs to be a platform for students to create this, um, these, these support groups because there isn't anything because we've done it off our own back because we've had past experiences with things. So mm -hmm. mine's grief, Minnie's, Minnie's grief, grief and life-threatening illness. And then obviously Patrick and... Um, Isaac um, um, have past experience with like mental health and they're very involved with that kind of stuff but um, there's no platform for students to try and create these student networks there's just nothing and you just have to create them yourself but there's little support and then when you're met with all this resistance it's really disheartening because then you're like if I'm met with all this resistance then what's going to happen when the next person tries they'll also be met with resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah and it's it's a shame really because there is a lot of sound bites and there's a lot of lip service that is paid to student mental health and well-being but you also want to see substance we also we want we want things we can participate in and you use this word like wanting uh, wanting to feel related like to yeah. other people and relatedness is such a huge component of like our well-being especially in times where we're like now in self-isolation to have platforms online in person whatever where we can still engage with our peers and talk about these seriously uh, serious topics which st still need to be talked about wh whatever the situation pandemic or no pandemic I think it seems like a no-brainer but I think there's so much like there's so many different departments in the union it's not a very centralized system so to get things done i know this from having tried to organize a well-being conference you you meet a lot of bureaucratic resistance let's say of like emailing back and forth and not getting responses for a while and i know it's not it's not ill-intentioned it's just the way that the system is working against creativity i guess and like wanting to make a difference yeah for sure and i do think like everyone's very different with, with what kind of support they want so like I've had counselling and I thought it was brilliant really really helped me at the time at that time and some people might want to have support but they might not necessarily want counselling or they might not necessarily want to go see like a well-being advisor I think it's so important to have different options especially stuff like student support groups because being able to relate to someone else makes you much more grounded in the student community and it makes you 
just feel more included knowing that there are other people out there rather than going to speak to a counsellor who you see once a week who knows nothing about you and is alien to your like student life I still think it's brilliant I'm not I'm not speaking against it but there's so many things that will help people feel more included in university life and at the well-being conference that you organized you re- didn't you review some feedback about mm-hmm. yeah like, at university and it's something like university of bristol students are like four times more lonely than yeah. the or something which yeah. is and all these things that are thrown in their direction like all of these great support groups um they're a way of making students feeling a little bit less lonely and i don't understand why the university aren't that supportive and we mm. did have a meeting and spoke to one of the um advisors of one of the well the well-being plan that they're trying to put in place or they've bought they're trying to put an extension onto and she was talking about like how you know there's like the legality behind like and responsibility behind these support groups of the SU and how they have to like put make potentially put measures in place to make sure that those students who are going to these support groups are supported um, but also the person who's organizing the support group is also supported because they might come face to face with some stuff that's a bit unsettling and they wouldn't know how to necessarily act so they're actually talking about hopefully this was just an idea. You know how there's like first aid mental health training for staff that hopefully yeah. they'll introduce that for some students or an option for some students to do. Because I think that's so important because also student support groups are really important to support those who are affected. But also, as you say, you were once one of those people who was there for a friend who was struggling or had gone through losing someone. Um, you guys need to be told or not told, but like educated and, yeah. you know, it, on how to best support someone and it, coming to support groups you might be able to hear someone speak about something and then you could go as, as like a friend um, of someone who's really not in a great place and then understand a bit more and then be able to act yeah. in a slightly different way when you go and speak to them and I think that's so important it's just like educating the whole community because it's not about those people who have lost someone or who are about to lose someone it's about educating the people in their like periphery and their inner circles to be able to help them yeah, there's a shared lack of understanding. I actually remember one a difficult conversation I had with this friend who was grieving uh, Georgia, and I said to um, her, I was like, there's no, I've had no rule book, and she said, me neither, and that's why I needed you to show up emotionally. And I think mm. that's when it hit that we were both, there was something where we could like mutually engage, that we were both clueless in how to yeah. cope with grief, what we all we needed to do was talk about it and just say, and for me to say, I don't know what to say. But because you, there's so much awkwardness and there's so much evading the topic, <clears> that <throat> it just becomes it becomes incomprehensible to a lot of students to ever engage in talking about death and grief. Exactly. Like at the end of the day, the person who's affected by grief, it's arguably, you know, it's up to them to try and seek help but then there's also for up to the people around them to try and help them I remember when my mum died I have a really good friend this guy called Ross Hook he um lost his dad when he was doing his A-level so when he was like 17 18 this has stuck with me and probably um guided me in the direction of where I am now but he was like you need to face the grief now rather than let it like push it aside for the next couple of years because then you'll then you'll end up getting like delayed grief and then it will affect your life in a really weird way when you're older and he was talking about his personal experiences with his dad because he was saying how when he was younger he was about 17 and his dad died and he didn't face it but also you're 17 you're a kid you want to go have fun 
you don't want to be left behind in the crowd when all your friends are out having going to parties and going on holidays with each other but that's a really important thing so being able to normalize the conversation around death and grief and something like really serious in your life it basically encourages the person to face it now by mm-hmm. having people around you talk about it but by also that person feeling comfortable talking to that other people around it about it as well because you might they might not want to they might you know you could turn around to your friend and be like do you want to talk about it and they're like no but they might go yes actually this was a bit crap today or I cried walking to uni or you know I laughed at something which I shouldn't have laughed it was really weird I haven't laughed but like that for quite some time since you know X died yeah. mm-hmm. I think it's you've got you've hit the nail on the head there like turning towards the grief is the best way I think any of us can deal with like our suffering because I find that um when you yeah when you're trying to repress something or you know evade the topic or it really does weed its way out in the strangest of ways and I, I think um students it's so easy I think in our culture especially where we're quite stiff upper lip in Britain and quite you know want to present ourselves as quite stoic to not give ourselves that time to grieve actually does a disservice to the love we felt and the relationship we had with that person that's now lost. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's it's something that is so sad about stuff like grief. It's all, I always think about it in the way that like you can't undo anything, you know, when you fail an exam and you're like, damn it I failed an exam and everyone you know your parents are like you shouldn't have failed that exam but then you can retake it and then you'll be fine like when something like death happens it's just the end and it's so sad because that person just suddenly no longer exists but just because they're not around now doesn't mean they didn't exist like my mum was 59 when she died her name she goes by the name Di Diana Mm -hmm. but call her Di and when my mum died people just wouldn't say her name and it's not I don't I just never really understood why people are better about it now but only after talking to people about it but people just don't say the name because they don't want to upset you but then you're like just because they've died doesn't mean they haven't lived and Mm -hmm. it's so important to just say it say the name because it makes that other person who's been affected feel so much more comfortable because it shows that you that the other person cares you know you acknowledge it yeah exactly and you know you could turn around to me and ask me how I am and I go and I shut you down and I'm very rude and I don't want to talk to you but then I know that you've asked so then when a couple of weeks later I feel really bad and I know that you've asked me I go and turn to you and talk to you about it because I know you've given me that platform and are willing to talk to me about it yeah so so important I think it's important on this where, where we're talking about you know the university first aid training for students who are you know for students who are the friend or the peer to know that actually to be shut down or for someone to respond badly to your kind of question of how how are you doing today with it after your mum's death is not it's not we should we have to prepare ourselves for that and not be so averse to uh, facing that because I think Mm -hmm. at the end of the day that's what we have to do as friends and people we care about we have to show up yeah exactly I think it's also direct questions so instead of like how are you doing you could be like I'm fine or I'm okay and then you move on just direct questions going like oh how was your seminar this morning or how are you feeling today after your mum has died or your brother has died or someone's really ill just direct questions and it makes that person feel so much better and show like show that you care mm-hmm. um, yeah and that's why stuff like student support groups in my mind are so important yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, and I think I'm going to try 
my very best to leave at least pushing that. And I think when um, I'm kind of reflecting on the wellbeing conference, all I can think in my head is how, yeah, how much we, and you said it yourself, how much that grief and illness panel or something along those lines needs to keep recurring every year so that conversation keeps happening. Yeah, I mean, I had some really good conversations with people after the conference. Like, I had a very long conversation with Javi afterwards. She's she's brilliant. And um, I met her friend Kate as well. And I, I did speak to some wellbeing advisors who had absolutely no idea that this cancer coffee morning existed. So that's another thing. There just needs to be, as you say, there's no centralised system of... Um, um, you know, to contact. It's all just different departments that don't meet up. And it's hard for information to get, like, passed down the chain because there's no chain to pass it down. So this yeah. lovely wellbeing advisor was, I didn't realise it existed. And I, I explained when it was. And she said that she'd send some people through to the next one, but unfortunately it was cancelled because of the coronavirus um, outbreak, which is a massive shame because it's all ended on sort of such a weird note, but we can't um, change that. Yeah, another um, one. Yeah, another thing you can't control. But yeah, it's a tricky exactly. one. Exactly. It's just, but I do think it's really important to have some sort of communication that needs to be improved. Like, if I get, I remember speaking to Sarah Purdy, and I explained how I was met with resistance from the university, and she said that how the university isn't necessarily responsible for student-led initiatives, and I, I completely respect that, and I think that's so true. But there's no communication, or there's not. I take that back. Not no, because I don't work for the SU. I think there's a bit of miscommunication and little communication between the SU and the university. So mm-hmm. if I was directed towards the SU, the SU should relay my concern or what I would like from them to the university. But that wasn't really happening, so I was had to do it by myself, which isn't a problem. But then I met with a lot of resistance, and then I also had to remind myself that the resistance I was met wasn't necessarily to do with the fact it was personal. It was the fact that it's just like bureaucracy and politics yeah. within the university. But then I took it personally, but then I had to remind myself that it's okay. Like it's, it's this is happening to everybody and it's nothing um, personal against myself. Yeah, but I think it's very natural to also take these things personally. It's often like the things that really offend us or violate, you know, our sense, emotional boundaries are, are a lot of the time, you know, are not ill-intentioned from a lot of other people. You know, if someone doesn't ask how you're doing, it's not because... They don't care about you. I think it's because they're just ill-equipped. Or if the u- yeah. university isn't responding, it's not because they don't care about the students. They just don't have a system that facilitates this kind of communication in an easy way. It's very true. Yeah, I mean, I take things so personally. Oh gosh, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. So, but then it's also if I was up. I mean, I had a friend who didn't really speak to me about my mum, and then I said to her, I actually pulled her aside and just spoke to her about how it was making me feel. We had quite an emotional conversation, but it wasn't me telling her off. It was just being like, this is how I'd like to be approached. And I feel like you're completely avoiding. She was like, I didn't know what to say. And uh, that's exactly probably the crux of this whole thing. Like no one really knows what to say. So it doesn't say anything. But that's arguably the worst thing to do. Yeah, I think it's better to say I don't know what to say because you're acknowledging how profoundly like shocking, shell shocking this kind of experience is for everyone involved so I think even just saying like I don't know what to say please help me give find words I think is better than nothing yeah exactly but then also people are so worried about saying the wrong thing but I haven't really had anyone say the wrong thing to me they just might just be weird about it and but that's I mean it is what it is isn't it it's just society's constructed all this grief and illness chat which needs to change but I would I don't know how it's going to just need to get people to just sit and chat about it and open have open conversations about stuff like this um 
would probably help but it's just there's such a long road ahead and it's it's scary for those people who are really struggling at this time because people just are so I don't know just consumed and not knowing what to say yeah yeah from your kind of cancer coughing mornings what have you what's your kind of takeaway lesson from the, so you're meeting other students who are going through similar experiences is it you I think one thing I'm getting from you is that you think student support groups is absolutely essential and I think I've I'm absolutely convinced that's true as well. But in terms of the kind of the need to be relatedness and connected, I think is a wider question for the uni because yeah. they're often going on about the lack of belonging, the sense of loneliness. Do you think, yeah, what do you see as the future for the university on that front? Well, I think, I think so. Obviously, student support groups is another one. I just think it's sort of like encouraging students to create stuff like this because mm-hmm. I think. Because we have we have had people come to the cancer coffee mornings who haven't had a past experience with cancer, but they just want to have some sort of sense of belonging and they want to be there to support others. I think it's just creating that platform for students to meet each other. Um, yeah. And it's, I, but I also don't know how that would necessarily come about. I think it's to do with how we should, how the university should communicate more with the SU. I think they yeah. should be there. This whole cliche thing about we are like students are the change we want to see, but we also need to be given a platform to be able to make this change or yeah. make things that would help other students because there's so many branches of things. Like my personal experience is, you know, death and terminal illness, but there's people who have been like sexually assaulted or in abusive relationships or have awful mental health and someone's committed suicide. And there's all these branches that could be made into networks of students to meet other students. I think that would really, really help um, students to meet other students like themselves. I think yeah. that is the way forward. Like, there's so many options for support, and I think that the um, support offered at the university is brilliant. But there's this isn't a way of replacing counselling or anything. It's just a way of filling another gap and giving students other options for stuff. Another space. Kind of the kind of support that they. Because I found that yeah, with the well-being conference as well, when I kind of, my takeaway from that was just how important a space to network and meet other people is, just yeah. irrespective of the workshops. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I met some, like, I had my, some people from the Council of the Morning came to the panel, which was brilliant, and I, had a, and I had a friend who lost his dad who came as well, and my housemate, wonderful Amelia, she lost her mum seven days after I lost my mum, and we've been at massive supports for one another, um, and I'm very lucky to have her and I also live with her but that's just a weird n- anomaly and that's probably part of the reason where the cancer coffee morning stemmed from because I had such amazing support from her and I'm there to support her but we're lucky we have each other but so many people don't have each other. Yeah I think you've done an amazing job setting that up and I think what you're saying about we just need to be because we no one student has the answer to where we think improvements could be made in the wellbeing strategy but offering a platform to be creative for students to come up with their own initiatives because I mean that's what the university is essentially doing with our education they're prompting us to be like intellectually creative so but we, that can also work on a, a an additional level a more practical level to do with our mental health and these you know very real life topics and issues that just happen to all of us yeah for sure um, yeah, and I think there's but there's also some positive things to come out of grief as well and illness. You might not think there are positive things about yourself that do come out. So when my mum died, I went through a stage of like, what's the point in all of this? I can't be bothered to go to uni or socialise. I don't see the point of being here. Like, 
as we're all going to die kind of what's the point and it's such a big outlook but I think it's really important to go through that because then you end up growing and then you're like no but there's and then you end up um appreciating the smallest things and you become much more grateful towards things mm-hmm. um and this whole, the whole cliche phrase is like you don't know what you have until it's gone is really is quite fitting because it's yeah. very true and very I true. um yeah and I'd also I think personally like for people out there who are going through grief now or might be losing someone very very soon like you just there are some there are silver linings in it obviously I would never I wish my mum hadn't died but there are silver linings to it there are things that you look back on and think that oh I've grown so much as a, as a person and honestly this whole past year has been such a huge ride for me but I'm really proud of the person that I've become because I've just sort of grown up I've become much more outspoken and much more honest and grateful and all these little things in my life that I haven't necessarily done because then you don't take things for granted because you know that things matter a little bit more because you've gone through something really terrible. That's really moving to hear Chuchi actually because I think so many of us don't talk about suffering and grief and vulnerability and like some of our emotional disruptions because we think it's all just morbid but actually a lot of the time these like experiences are mixed they're ambivalent we we learn things about ourselves yeah. you know they put kind of a hold the mirror up to us and say this is who you are this is what's happening to you what are you going to do with yourself in the yeah. uh you know in the fe- at the brunt of it all yeah and people always talk about how grief comes in waves and you but you do get better at managing it so when it all stuck when it all happened when my mum died the waves were so frequent and so intense but as time goes on the waves become less frequent they may still be as intense but you get better at handling it so like when you're inside that wave and you can't really see a way out initially you're like it's the end it's the end I can't I can't live like this how how am I even supposed to live my life knowing that this is always going to happen but then as you grow as you as time goes on and you grow older you get better at understanding your feelings in that moment so I've got better in understanding so when I'm in that wave I like take a deep breath and I'm like this is how I'm going to feel now but it won't be forever and it's really important to acknowledge that because sometimes it consumes you so much and you get so on and you can't get yourself out of it but then you know it's not the end it's sort of like anxiety how when you are feeling really anxious at the time you're like this is consuming my whole life but then you know that there'll be an ending there'll always be an ending of relief so you know that it's not going to consume you forever yeah it's kind of interesting because it's a bit like this kind of fact of death like you know all things come to an end but also all of our suffering and grieving and all these emotions don't last forever it's all impermanent and I think knowing that is at least something that can ground you not in false hopes I wouldn't advocate any kind of sense like oh it's all gonna fine after you know uh, my mum's died or something oh it's you know it's gonna feel awful but in the same way yeah exactly exactly I also think like the pain as cliches the pain that you feel for something like that just shows how much you love them and still love them when I couldn't sleep when my mum died I would look up quotes and poems about death and I forgot I was supposed to read this out the well-being conference but I forgot to this this is my favorite of all time it's by Anne Lamott she says Mm -hmm. you'll lose someone you can't live without and your heart will be badly broken and the bad news is that you'll never get completely you will never get over the loss of your beloved. But this is also good news. They live forever in your broken heart that doesn't seal back up. And when you come through, it's like having a bad leg or a broken leg that never heals perfectly. Um, but that hurts when the weather gets cold, but you learn to dance with a limp. And I think it's quite nice because obviously it's so painful. But then 
you I think it's really important to acknowledge that pain is because you love them and they meant so much to you and you can treasure that and take it through your life with whatever you plan on doing yeah I think it, it yeah. would be such a waste for you to say well that's done I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk about it I don't want to feel it because feeling it is acknowledging that you care about it and saying to yourself like look you know I acknowledge this suffering because I care about the, the reasons for it I cared about the person who I've lost yeah exactly and it's that's such a big part of your life and I think it's so important to acknowledge that they are and it will stay with me forever like this grief and this experience will have a lot of it will stay with me a lot and it will be really hard at major time major moments in my life like having a kid like my, I had my graduation which was quite late because I had to do my dissertation over summer and that was a really big moment all my family were there I mean my brother sister my dad and it was all very emotional for us but there'll be times when like, you have a kid or you get yourself your house or you get yourself an amazing job and it's just hard times but then they'll I'll, I think I'll always look back and with such sadness but also with such happiness that they were part of my life for like 22 years and it wasn't yeah, like they never sure. this, like they were there um I think it's important to acknowledge how much they meant to you because then that can carry you through because it is it's so sad there's nothing that can really beat it really um at all but it is sad but it's important to acknowledge that sadness because it meant so much to you that's why you feel so sad yeah oh Gigi I think you've told us a very honest authentic story about your life here and I think I really I'm grateful for you coming on to talk about it because I know talking about grief is not necessarily something that you're doing that often because we're not as a society making it that easy to but I hope this conversation is a step in normalizing it for other students and I think we can be mutually say that there needs to be more done to support students and ourselves in these times but knowing that um yeah like you say you know these experiences aren't the end for you as a person either and people should realize that people who are going through this now like do need to try and hold on to that it's not the end Mm -hmm. it's the end of it's the end of a phase of your life but it, there's a new phase on the horizon that mm-hmm. is there for you to create however you'd like to create it yeah, so yeah well thanks so much for having me on yeah, thank you Gigi. I've enjoyed it yeah well I'll speak to you soon and I have I take care of yourself in this uh, strange period of <laughs> yes you too uh, yeah bye bye thank you thanks